Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. One of the things I hate about this time of year is people start to show a wee bit more flesh, right? So, and this is about my talk this morning. I, I'm, I'm good with everything apart from feet, right? Anyone just go feet? Jesus, take the wheel. And, you know, what is it with people's feet? You know, they start to put on these things like where you can see their feet. This time, this is going to happen, isn't it? Right? You know, hairy toes and all. Right? You ever been in public and somebody's got hairy toes? And they don't cut their toenails? Anyone? Seriously? Now, some of you are wondering, where's he going with this this morning? Where's he going with it? Believe me, it's part of my talk, honestly. But I'm just saying it makes me a wee bit sicky, right? Partly because I, I have been blessed with feet that are perfect. Right? No, you can ask Penny. In our house, I have, I, I'm the only one in our house with non-smelling feet. All right? I don't know why it is, but the Lord blessed me with it. And uh, even last night, our hope came, and I was sitting on the sofa watching the Ulster game, right? Which was great. And all I saw was this foot beside me. And I was like, oh, get it away. Like, it's my daughter, right? And uh, not Penny. And because she had a blister on her toe. She was like, Daddy, you've got a big blister. And I was like, talk to your mother about it. I don't want to see it. Get it away. Book. And uh, <laughs> so I just can't do feet, right? And what's really interesting about this <laughs> is, that, oh, what, was it? what am I preaching on? Yes, that's right. <laughs> Toenails. <laughs> Toenails are the Antichrist. There's a, there's a sermon series, eight weeks on keep your feet covered in Jesus' name. Seriously, making me want to, that's just the one thing. Like every other body part, I'm good with every other body part apart from feet. And then we come, to, we come to Holy Week, which is this week, right? I told you there's a link in here somewhere. All right, we come to Holy Week this week. And one of the things that I'm going to preach on today is how do you know, like, know where you stand, all right? Know where you stand. Because Jesus in John 13, uh, it's interesting, um, later on this year I have a book coming out on the Gospel of John. And uh, I, was, I was thinking through this week because uh, the Gospel of John excel, you know, goes over a wide spread of time and then like a third of the whole book is, is spent in, in, in the Passion, is in, in, in the Holy Week, right? And which starts today, for those of you who are going, what, what's that? Well, today's the first week of Holy Week where, as, as Adam said, triumphal entry and all that stuff. And we're going to talk about that on Friday night. But there's a bit in this, uh, I, I'm looking forward into this week, where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And I've clearly always struggled with that. I remember, honestly, the worst moment in my whole Christian life was being in a home group, a cell group, right? Many years ago, when some waster had a word from the Lord, right? And said, oh, I just feel like we need to get the basin out. And I was like, seriously? If he gets the basin out, I'm sticking his flipping head in it, right? And we're going to see if the Lord can help him to breathe underwater, right? And they did. They, they went round. And you know what? It's like when I got baptized. I got baptized in a big tank. And we're doing baptisms later on in the year. If you have never been baptized, this is your time. But I got baptized in a big tank. And I was like number 37 out of 40, right? So that meant, that meant by the time I was getting into the water, there was a scum around the edge, right? And I remember getting in going, I'm, you know, as you're, you're looking around going, that's definitely like a corn plaster floating past me, right? And I meant to be here, oh, Jesus, I'm getting baptized. I was like, oh, I've got a book. And they're like, they said, make sure you hold, make sure you hold your nose or keep your mouth shut. I'm going, no, I'm going, whoa, right? So it was, 
<laughs> it's the truth. It was absolutely truth. I was like, it's definitely got like a, a scum line around the, you know, like the olden days, the bath. Oh, and uh, so it's, oh, turn me. It absolutely turned me. And the thing is, so you come to this story of Jesus, right? And he, like he washes his disciples' feet. And I'm like, what on earth? Uh, but I want to encourage people today um, because one of the, <laughs> there's a segue into this some way, right? There's, there's something about knowing where you stand that is really, really important. You know, like with people who you might know and you don't know which one's turning up. You ever have that in your life? Which one's walking through the door today? Anyone? Yeah. I mean, you might even be that person this where you're going. If you're sitting there going, right, straight up, if you're sitting there going, no, nah, I don't know anything about that. It's probably you. <laughs> Just chugging that out. But you know that sort of inconsistency at times? And inconsistency breeds insecurity. And that's really difficult to live with. That's not one of the things that we're looking at in terms of these strongholds. As we've been going through this, um, this series, last week I talked about the whole thing of self and ego. And today I want to just minister into the whole area of there's a, a stronghold of insecurity in the people of God about how Jesus actually loves them and where they stand on any particular point in time. And you've got to know where you stand because if you don't, when you don't know where you stand with someone in that kind of relationship, right, it, it makes you insecure. And what happens when you're insecure, right? Help me out. Well, actually, let's not do a Q&A because we'll be here all day, right? So what happens when you're insecure right, is that whenever you're insecure, your only option, because we want to be safe, is that we start to defend ourselves. Isn't that right? And we almost, like, put up a shield towards the, the, the person that we don't know where we stand with. Isn't that right? Because you don't know what's coming your way. It can be all, all you know, nicey-nicey, and, and then you're not so sh sure the next time. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> Remember, if you're going, no, no, it's definitely you. All right? But, but you get that, and so we do it with the Lord, and, and it's a stronghold that I want to address today. I want to take you right back into the Old Testament, because in this week, when Jesus, I said last week, I wanted to talk to you about how Jesus washes feet and why he does that, because there is a bit where it's like, as, as I have done, then you do likewise. So if you've been around the church for anything more than 15 minutes, what you'll hear is you'll hear people go, just like Jesus washes your feet, go and wash other people's. Now, thank God, I don't think he meant literally, right? All right, <laughs> let's hope so. <laughs> let's hope so. Well, do you know what? I'm the preacher in this house, and in this house we go, he didn't mean it literally, all right? And all the people said, amen, thank you. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at what was going on because it's a throwback right to the very beginning. And what it does is it helps us this morning. I'm going to show you how from the very beginning that God wanted you to be secure in where you stand every day, because when you're secure and when you stand, you can have bold faith and bold expectation for God's grace to flow in your life, all right? But when you're insecure and you don't know, what happens is that you will be pushed from pillar to post by every doctrine the Word says, but most importantly, when it comes to your relationship with the Lord, it's like He says, approach me boldly. Like, be bold, lift your head up, look right into my eyes, and receive what you need. But if you are looking down, right, and because you don't know where you're standing on any particular day, then what will happen is you'll never look up boldly to receive grace upon grace. And you live insecure, because you can't quite look him in the eye. You've got to turn. And so can we minister into that today? Because that's a stronghold. I know that it's... it's uh, 
it's a, it's a way of thinking, it's a pattern. And what I've said is the greatest battle of our generation is being fought between our ears. It's the epicenter. And, uh, you know, because every, every act, right? So every act where we don't act in faith or we don't act in belief is, is, is preceded by a thought. And many of those thoughts are actually mindsets and strongholds. And so as we receive the word today, I wanted to break that in you, uh, break those, those negative strongholds because one thought of grace can change your life forever and the trajectory of your life forever. Just one thought. All right, so let me read to you again from Romans chapter 12. It says, so here's what I want you to do. Remember, the context is king. I will keep reading these verses until you go, shut up. I know them like off by heart almost because it's so important. Paul is, is excuse me, is writing this masterpiece of grace. And, and what he's saying is, right, now in light of everything that I've just told you about God's grace, here's what I want you to do with God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, all right? Because grace changes your everyday, ordinary life. Take your sleeping, take your eating, take your going to work, take your walking around life. Place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Isn't that amazing? Letting God love you, letting God pour into you, letting God show you grace upon grace every day, letting God get you excited about who he is and what he's done for you, and you receiving that is the very best thing that God wants from you. He doesn't want your service before that. He doesn't want your giving before that. He doesn't want all of your religious acts before that. He wants you to fully embrace him. It's the best thing you can do for the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Okay, and so I say this every week, but I'm going to keep saying it. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings out the best in you, and he'll develop well-formed maturity within you. So don't give in to the, you know, what we've said here is the pattern of this world is that word uh, aeon in Greek. It means an age or a time. And it's about the, what's, what's characterized by popular ideas and beliefs. Now, what we're going to talk about today is not just about the ideas out there. So last week I talked about how whenever self is left to go to rot, you know, all, all you're seeing in the world today is the manifestation of just pure self. What I think, what I believe, what, okay? That's all it is. And don't expect people who don't know Jesus to act like they do know Jesus. That's just silly, all right? So we don't, you know, I said at Bible study on Wednesday night, John three sixteen. we all know it and love it. It's on every gable end and has been in this country for years. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And the very next verse says what? He didn't send him to condemn the world, all right? So if Jesus didn't come to condemn them, neither should we, all right? We're sent to love people and to love them in the change. And so, what happens is, is, is the ideas, there's popular ideas and beliefs that sit outside there in the world, but there's, we, we are doused, <laughs> doused, that's a big word, isn't it? How Northern Ireland was that, doused. People online going, what the heck does that mean? Even people in the room going, what is Basta talking about, huh? German, that was, that was my German, sorry. Okay, what is Basta talking about? Uh, doused means to be covered, like, <laughs> anyway, move on, all right? We are doused in, re in religiosity at times. Okay, and I'll tell you what religion does because it's an ever-moving kind of platform. It all one of the things it does is ultimately leads to death, but it leads to daily experience of complete insecurity. And you don't know whether you're coming or going, stuffed or mounted. All right, up and down like a fiddler's elbow between you and the Lord. 
But from the very beginning, the Lord wanted you to be rock solid in his love for you. And he painted you pictures from the pictures of grace from the very beginning. You know, all the way back in Genesis, it talks about the Aleph and the Taf, all the way through to Revelation 22. How Jesus, the whole story is about Jesus and him from the beginning to end. Well, I want to show you that today. Because in John 13, this washing of the feet is something that's really, really interesting. And it's about Jesus not just going, go and serve people, right? It's about Jesus saying that actually for you to stand in this world, you have to let me wash the bit of you that touches the ground. Let me explain that. So, so no, Peter said, this is Peter. I like this. Whenever Jesus goes to wash their feet, we're looking in John 13. It says, you shall never wash my feet, right? You know, Peter, like absolutely, you know, incredible, but always just never quite... As we would say, they didn't have the emotional intelligence to read what was going on in the room, right? Didn't quite get it. So the Lord's just about to show this unbelievable picture for them and for us. And, and Peter steps in and goes, no, you're never going to wash my feet. And Jesus answered this. Now listen carefully. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter said, just not my feet, but my, head, my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you're clean, though not every one of you. Then let me just put some extra words in that. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed, the word there is luo, right? Literally and metaphorically, a complete bathing to cleanse the entire person who does not need to wash except for his feet, right? But because he's already completely clean, and you are clean, right? And this word clean is katharos which is either literally to be ceremonially or spiritually guiltless, innocent, and upright. Okay? So he says you only need to wash your feet, this word nipto, um, because why? But because, I'll tell you why. Because your feet are what you stand on. Right? Now you're thinking, where's this going? You stand on your feet, and your feet is what connects you to the ground. And that's the only bit of you that Jesus says that he needs to wash for you. So let me explain it. Way back in the Old Testament, the place where we would meet God, where human beings would meet God, was the, was the tabernacle, okay? And the tabernacle was given as a picture of how God was going to set things up. I'm just going to explain two things, one from, from, from the tabernacle and one from Jesus in John 15, a little bit after he's washed feet. Okay, because he says, you don't need to be washed again, right? This bit, it's only this bit that needs to be washed, okay? Because you're already clean. Now, way back in the Old Testament, God really wanted us to know. He wanted his people to know that even under the law, how he would view us and deal with us. And so the whole tabernacle was a picture of God's relationship towards men. Now, remember, tabernacle means the place where we meet God. Right, so that's what it was. They had, they had a physical place in those days because, you know, obviously the spirit hadn't been given. Now, in the temple, because the tabernacle moved around the place, okay, it was pretty temporary. And so it was made of stuff that they could pick up and move. And the walls of the tabernacle where they would meet were actually made of boards, but they were golden boards. Now, let me explain it to you. And these boards, um, I'll, I'll give you the, the, I might give you the, the measurements of them. But essentially, the walls and the back, the back and the sides and the walls were, were, these, were these boards. There was 48 of them in total. And 
They were made of a wood called acacia wood, and they're a picture of you and me standing today in the church. All right? This is really important. Now, the golden boards formed the walls of the holy place and the holy of holies. So the place where the presence of God was, where men actually met God, the most holiest place, were made out of these boards. And they were made of acacia wood. And and that acacia wood was overlaid with gold. So they weren't actually big bits of gold. It was wood in the inside, and then gold was laid around the outside. Now, what does wood typify? Why why did the Lord say, do it that way? They didn't do it because they just made it up. There was a reason why, because wood... In the, in the Bible, typifies humanity or is representative of humanity, of flesh and blood. And the acacia tree in particular grows in very dry, dusty, desert-like places. Okay, in Genesis 3, it says that the devil himself crawls on his belly and eats dust. Okay, so therefore, this acacia tree is a picture of fallen humanity that's rooted in the, in the cursed, dry, dusty earth. Does that make sense? Now, what the Lord says is take this kind of tree and cut it into 48 planks in all, put them upright, don't lie them down in the dirt, right? Why, why, why 48? Why, did the, why was the Lord so specific and say take 48 boards and put them upright and overlay them with gold? Because in the New Testament, there's a picture here. The New Testament says 48 times that you and I are in Christ, Okay? So the framework of the central tabernacle came first, and then what would happen is these 48 upright supports, okay, were put in place. And let me just give you Exodus 26, 28. 48 times it says in the New Testament, you are in Christ. So let me, let me just explain it in one second. You shall make bars of acacia wood, five boards on one side, five boards on the other side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards on the side of the tab- tabernacle for the far side westward. The middle bar shall pass through the midst of the boards from end to end. Okay? So five, picture of grace. Five, a picture of grace. Joined together by a golden rod. Okay? What joins us together as human beings standing together in the church is the golden rod of righteousness. Gold in the Bible is always righteousness. So what joins you and me together today, Lawrence, is not just common interest like the world would have at a golf club or anything else. We are joined together in the same spirit of grace and the righteousness of God runs through us all, every single one of us. Okay? So this is the picture. And I'm going to come back to Jesus washing feet in a minute. So the tabernacle, the tabernacle, that's quite hard to say, the tabernacle boards, <laughs> that sounds like a kind of like indie band, doesn't it? Welcome today, tabernacle boards. Anyway, so uh, just the way my head goes, with their latest record, tabernacle boards. Uh, <laughs> so they weren't actually solid planks, right? But they're actually frames made up of this, okay? And uh, why is that? Every board, every piece of humanity is encased in gold, okay? Gold in the, in the Bible is a picture of divine righteousness. So every believer standing in the presence of God, that's us today, is completely encased, surrounded, and our humanity is overlaid with the righteousness of Christ. And we are protected on all sides. Have you ever heard that verse in Colossians 3? My life is now hidden with Christ in God. I never thought, what the heck does that mean? It's a pull, push back right to the tabernacle, right? My life, see, you just see yourself as the wood, as the humanity, and the Lord says, no, hold on. I have caused you to be upright. I have encased you in righteousness. You now stand, 
okay, with the, the rod of righteousness, if you like, going through, joining you to your brothers and sisters today, and you are completely covered. And that life, that, that wooden humanity bit, your life is now hidden by Christ. Oh, that's a good word, isn't it? Now, here's what's really interesting in this. What was, so what was not seen, do you, know, do you know what that means? See, when the Lord looks at you today, the Holy of Holies in the presence of God, he does not see your humanity. He doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see everything that you have seen this week that has caused you to feel shame and guilt and nonsense. He can't see it. Why? Because your humanity is completely encased in righteousness. So from a holy place, the Lord looks at you and just sees the righteousness of God in you. Amen. Now, what's interesting is this. There's another picture here. At the base of these golden boards that were lined up, isn't it amazing that the picture that the Lord was given, even in the Old Testament, like, like if you want to know where you stand today, even before Jesus and what we celebrate this week, the Lord had already revealed his heart for you. I want you to stand in my presence overlaid with righteousness, okay? That's what I want for you. Now, here's the interesting thing. They didn't put the golden boards into the ground, okay? That's not what they did. What they did was uh, they had two fittings on each board. And uh, these two fittings uh, would fit into like sockets, I guess you could, like a ball and socket type kind of feel. And those, those sockets were made of solid silver. So the two fittings are representative that the Lord looked forward at this time and said, why two footings? Number one, Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection. Okay, this week, that means redemption. So Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection is our redemption. Do you get that? So what, and silver in the Bible is always representative of that. And so his death, right, would be pointless without his resurrection. It actually says that, doesn't he? Like if, I'm going to say it next Sunday, right? Like, you know, it says in Corinthians, like if he didn't rise again, this, is a whole, this whole thing is completely useless, right? So you have Jesus' death and you have his resurrection. It's our receipt, if you like. It's our assurance. It's that our debt of sin is paid for in full. And silver always depicts this redemption. Every time you see it mentioned, the Holy Spirit is reminding you that you are the redeemed of the Lord. Silver trumpets, as an example, you know, the way, all the way through the Bible, you see why silver trumpets? Because when the, the silver trumpet is blown, it is declaring to the heavens, they are redeemed. They blow silver trumpets over us as the people of God, the angels in heaven. Why? Because they are declaring redemption over God's people. And so what you have is this. You have us with all of our humanity now hidden in Christ standing on the earth. You see, we're not supposed to be standing in the earth. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. You stand just above it on what? On Jesus's death and Jesus's resurrection, the finished work of grace. Okay? Ah. Now, so we have been cut off. What does that mean? Um, well, what it means is this. Remember Genesis 3? The devil goes on his belly in the dust of the ground. So what Jesus does is, is he takes that which comes from there, encases it, and what he cuts you off. The whole point is he cuts you off from the curse of the world. Do you not want to know where you stand today? You stand cut off from the curse of the world. Why? Because you have been redeemed. 
Church, we need to grasp this with all of our hearts. We need to give our hearts and our attention to this because this is why the church goes from pillar to post because we don't know where we stand. We stand fully complete on the redemptive work of Jesus and his grace. Cut off from the curse. We're completely surrounded and encased in divine righteousness, forever secure, rooted and grounded in the silver of the redemption of Jesus. Here's what's interesting. If you, t- if you come off that and you then touch the earth, right? If you root yourself into yourself, into the, you are then limited to the resources of the earth. The Lord says, get up, stand in my work. When you get up and you stand in my work, then what will happen is that you are cut off from the curse and you stand on solid ground. Amen? Now, hold that in your head because that's the bit that's touching the ground. Let's fast forward now to John 15. And uh, in the start of John 15, okay, we have this same picture, the same word that Jesus uses in John 13, he's going to use in John 15. Because what happens is the, the redemptive works, you know, what we're standing on at the bottom, you know, in, in terms of Jesus' work, is the bit that we connect. You're not lifted out of the earth. Do you get that? You stand in the earth, but on Jesus' work. Do you get that? So what happens is this. In John 15, Jesus is describing what it's like to be attached to him as a vine. And he's going to use the same imagery and the same words. In John 15, 2 to 3, he says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Has anyone ever scared the absolute life out of you when, you know, Jesus is coming out after you with a pair of sacateurs? <laughs> you know what I mean? I used to have this picture of Jesus kind of sitting in heaven with a feet up, and you're like, <laughs> you're like, he's just sharpening these bad boys up, coming to get you. Hey, Peter, who's on the list today? Oh, well, loads of them. Honestly, those exchange people, basket cases. Let me at them. I can't wait to cut them to ribbons, the Lord says. <laughs> we all go, seriously? If you're not careful, if you're not bearing fruit, he's coming for you. He's going to cut you down. He's going to go for you. It's been preached, not from this stage, hopefully, but <laughs> let me tell you what it actually means. What, what do you hear when you hear the word prunes? Anyone, this is, and this is why we don't know where we stand at times. Okay, when you, how do I know where I stand? Because the Lord, according to the word here, um, is just waiting to come after me because I'm not producing enough fruit. Does anyone ever feel like they're just not doing enough? Anyone? Oh, come on. There's not too many people go, actually, Joe. <laughs> Funny you should mention that, but I just go way over and above every time. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> just one of my faults. I'm far too given. Right? We don't do that, do we? Of course, there's some people who go, uh, it's not what we do, it's what we didn't do, what we should have done. Anyone? Okay, so the problem then when you take that to the Lord and he goes, I want to see good fruit, and the Lord does want to see good fruit, but it's not your work, it's his work in you. Remember what Romans 12 says, if you don't conform to the patterns of this world, you'll be changed from where? The inside out. Fruit will come from the inside out. That's what Jesus is talking about. And so what happens here is, you know, we start to imagine affliction and pain and chastisement because the Lord's cutting at us, right? It's going to hurt you know that old thing? Because I know he's in the room, but my dad used to say to me, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you, clip. And I used to go, you spoofer. It definitely doesn't hurt you more because that really hurt. Do you know what I mean? Isn't that right, dad? My dad used to hit me most days. 
And what he used to say was, it didn't do me any good, but he felt so much better, right? <laughs> and I turned out reasonably normal, so there you go, all right? <laughs> you know, it's, I love Billy Connolly. I, I don't know, Penny watches him and tells me about him, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, he t- <laughs> but he tells that story. Uh, she's not, she's doing youth today. So, <laughs> and, uh, you know, when you would get a slap on every syllable, do not talk to me like that, you know? We kind of feel that's what the Lord's doing. Shut up when I'm speaking to you. You can not on every syllable, don't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. And so we, we kind of think that's what the Lord does, and he doesn't, right? We've got to see this context. The word that they used here was not to cut but it was the word "kathario" that Jesus used in John 13. Remember that word? It means to cleanse. So in our lazy translations where it says pruning is about cutting, it's not. It's the same word that Jesus used when he was talking back in the, uh, in the upper room at the Last Supper. And he says, I've, you're already clean. You're already "kathario." Exactly the same word. And it means to cle- you've been cleansed. So in those days, what happens, the, the leaves on these vines were dirty from insects, moss and dirt, the earth, right? And so what did they do when something felt like that because it had been connecting with the earth? They just didn't cut it and leave it. What they did was they washed it and cleansed it. So that in taking away all the detritus, if you like, all the muck and dirt of just being connected to the ground or touching the ground at times, what happens is he just washed it away, and when you washed away the the muck, what was happening, you're able to receive the light and produce fruit. Can you see that's what the Lord was showing them in John chapter 13 when he washed their feet, right? It was not about, I'm not going to cut you, it's, I'm going to wash you. And that, he confirms it in verse 3, already you are clean, why? Because of physical water? No, because of the word that I spoke to you. That word is katharos. It means you are clean, pure, unsoiled, ceremonially and morally clean. The demand of the law has been met. Why? Because of the word that I've spoken over you. You are righteous. Isn't that amazing? Such a good word. And so what is happening here is that when Jesus is, 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 is well, I'll come to it in a second. Actually, if you go back to Romans 3 and you read this, it's like, you know, it's not good news if you believe, if you don't know where you stand today and you go, before I was in Christ, I was a sinner, and now I'm in Christ, I'm still not so sure. That's not good news, is it? Insecure, you don't know where you stand. Let me tell you exactly what the Word says about you, okay? It says that you have, um, you have been justified, Romans 3, 24, and made upright. Okay, what's the picture? See when it all comes together, isn't it amazing? The planks weren't raised on the ground, they were raised upright. Okay, so let's go back to Romans 3. All are justified and made upright in right standing with God, freely and gratuitously, by what? By His grace, His unmerited favor and mercy, Romans 3.24 says, through the the redemption, the silver bits, that is provided in Christ Jesus. right. Philippians 3.9, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness, which is from God by faith. Well, that, that word there is apolytrosos in Greek. What it means is you have been buying back, you've been bought back, okay? And now there is a margin, a safety margin between where you were and where you are now, okay? 
So what happens here is that because we stand, okay, we, we stand on Jesus' work, it doesn't mean that day to day there's not muck and dirt gets onto it. Do you know what I mean? And, and you think about it, what, 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 what does the, what, I need, a, I need a land this one, so I'm going to take my time. It's not that Jesus' work ever changes for you. You get that? But you think about the stuff that you walk through every day of life. What happens? It's not that Jesus changes his love for you, but you see how our view of Jesus' love for us can change because of what the world is like? It gets a bit mucky at times, a bit covered over by all the stuff of, of our lives. Anyone? Are you following me? Right? So what happens is we stand in grace, but sometimes just through the day to day to day, the world will come and just put layers of muck on top of that. That's the picture that Jesus has. And so he brings them in and he goes, you're, you don't need, whenever you feel like you're going through life and it feels like all this stuff is making just you a wee bit mucky, you don't need to get saved again. You don't need to come to Christ again in one of those moments. You were never anything other than righteous. But let me just wash you again with my word. Let me show you again my word. Let me polish off, if you like, all right, all of the stuff of the world so you can see again clearly my redemptive work for you. So when Jesus is doing this in, in this week, it's actually, it happens on Monday, Thursday, isn't it? As he's, and, um, and he's going through it. The, the picture that he's showing them is, guys, you know what? You will never again, never again doubt where you stand with me. Never again doubt my love for you. Never again doubt my commitment to you because you are righteous. You have been bought back and there is now a massive gap between where you are and, and what you're doing. But I'm gonna show you something. And, and this is the bit that I think is super important. You will get mucky. Your feet will get dirty. The bit of you that has to connect with this world will take on at times muck and dirt. Do you get that? So what do you do? Come to me, the Lord says, and let, this is it. Not come to me and I'm so sorry and you're gonna cut me because I haven't done it. Come to me and let me love you by washing you with my word. And what's his word? The word of grace. You're righteous, you're loved, you're secure, you are blessed, you are favored, you're best. Let me show you again that redemptive work and wash you clean with it. Why? Because then you'll be able to stand and receive. Does that make sense? So the picture is then, as I have done to you, the Lord says, do that also with others. Now, there is, of course, a, probably a practical application. But I think that's just where the church has, has stopped and gone, you know, as the Lord has served you, go and serve other people. Brilliant, right? I think it's way more than that. I think there's a depth to that interaction with Jesus and his disciples that you miss unless you have a, a, a lens, a, a grace lens. What are we supposed to do with each other? Go there, 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 that's terrible. No, we're supposed to encourage each other, wash each other by the word of grace. What's the best thing that you can do for the people in this church and the people that you meet out there is wash them in the word of grace. You're loved. You are accepted by God. You've been bought at a great price. Because that's the bit of them that's always gonna come and get mucky. And Jesus doesn't need them saved again. Jesus just needs the, the work of grace to be revealed for them again. Say, so stand on that again. Does that make sense? 
I think it's wonderful. I think it's absolutely such a beautiful bit of scripture that most of us have just gone, oh no, that means I've got to go and serve kids. <laughs> Nightmare. <laughs> Serving kids is really good if you do it. Thank you very much. But, but you know what I mean? Oh no. It's like if it's not physically washing feet, right? Um, <laughs> it's going to be metaphorically doing the worst thing that you could ever imagine, right? I've heard that one preached too. Think of the worst thing that you can't do, and that's where you're going to grow the most. <laughs> that's when I would have my Newton Ards flashes. <laughs> See myself like the littlest hobo walking over the hill from Dundonald <laughs> with all my earthly possessions over my shoulder. Go there. I'm <laughs> like, no! Right. <laughs> Go there and wash their feet, flipping Nora. <laughs> oh, complete nightmare. But you know what I've realized more and more? Is Jesus was saying to these people, you're already clean. You're, if you're in Christ, you're already clean. You don't need me to save you again. You need to come to me and let me serve you by washing you with my grace. Isn't that lovely? And now you go and do the same for others. Wash those bits that touch the world with the grace of God. And I'm just going to finish up because it's, there's a physical cleansing here, but actually, you know, it's the washing of, of the word of grace, right? That really matters. When you sit under that word of grace, he lifts you up. And in doing that, what happens is the Lord, do you know what the Lord says? What I love about this, when you put it back into John 15, katharos, you're already, you're like ceremonially clean, just doesn't mean like you're, you're in your best bib and tucker. That's not what it means. What it means is that, in, the, in, in anything to do with temple rites and rituals uh, under the law. It's like they had to, remember, they had to cleanse themselves, the two big silver bowls of redemption and all that stuff. Read my book in September, you'll love it. It's all that kind of thing. And, but he's going, you don't, you don't need any kind of ceremony. You don't need any kind of process. You don't need any of that. You're all, you've already gone through all that. Hi, I didn't do it, Lord. No, I did it for you. You received me, so you got my work. <laughs> That's great. So I am under the law, completely clean, 100%. And you'll never be anything but that. Because I have taken that and encased it in righteousness. Last word is this. I think it's such a key message. Can I say this? Stop trying to be clean. You are clean. Stop trying to figure out where you stand. You know where you stand today. You stand on the finished work of God's grace of, of, and, and nowhere else. You don't have to be cleansed. You don't need to be cleansed again. You are clean. Let the word wash over your feet where you stand and you will bear much fruit. You know, you will get messy. You know, when you touch life and others and all sorts of stuff, you get messy, right? But just remember, like none of that, okay, takes away from where you're standing. We just need to let his word again show us what we're standing on. And I think that's where hope comes from. I, I believe that's where, where just real security comes from today. From the very beginning, that's what the Lord said. He gave us a picture right back. In the very beginning where he said, this is where I will meet my people, okay? In the, in the tabernacle. And then, so he puts the big picture up to go. Poof. You stand together, bolted together by righteousness, encased in righteousness, standing on the work of grace. Anyone encouraged? Amen.
Good. I'll tell you what I want to do. I don't want to rush past this moment. Um, I think this is a stronghold for people. That insecurity of not knowing... Do you know what it is? It's like, how do, how, why do you not boldly go to God for what you need? Because you don't know whether you're standing. And I, mean, I don't know where I stand with him. I don't know where I stand with him. Close your eyes for a couple of minutes. We're just going to have some music. Adam's going to get ready to lead us in communion and our offering. But I want, I want the Lord just to let you just rest a wee moment here. Because I believe the Spirit of the Lord is just ministering to you right now you're standing on a good place today you're secure today you're not outside of my grace or my favor today spirit of the lord i just pray that you would show people today in their hearts there'd be such a sense of deep peace that they're standing on favor ground i pray even right now lord even as people have sat and received today, Jesus, that, that your word would have washed them, reminded them again, Lord, of the work that they stand on. In this place, Father, I pray that there would be such a supernatural sense of peace, such a supernatural sense of assurance in this place. As our hearts just are fixed on you, Lord, in this moment, as our hearts are fixed on what you have done for us, Lord. <clears throat> Father, you're not cutting us. You're not chastising. You're not wagging your finger. You're saying, come to me and let me wash you again. Those bits of you that have just got a bit sullied, a wee bit soiled, just because of life. Let me come and wash that for you. Let me come and refresh that for you. Let me come as the, the sort of the scabbiness and the dirt falls away so you could see again the beautiful work of grace. Reveal that this morning in the hearts of every man, woman, and child, everyone who's going to listen this week, everyone who's going to connect with this word. In this moment, Father, I pray for a revelation of grace supernatural peace supernatural rest because we have the God of heaven the king of the universe speaking over us today you've been bought at a great price you've been redeemed forever I love you I'm protecting you I'm providing for you And to me, the Lord says, if you're in Christ this morning, you will never be anything but clean. That's where you stand. And all the Lord's people said, amen. Let's stand. We're going to take communion together. And Adam's going to lead us. If you just want to get your communion stuff and stand when you have it. It's a really good word. I love that imagery of we, we have been raised up. Our life is hidden with Christ and God and raised up 
just fantastic. And you know, the, the, the physical, what it, what it looks like in terms of the work that we're standing on, his broken body, his blood shed, that's what you stand on, what he has accomplished for you. As, as we said at the start, what he set his face towards on the triumphal entry, as he, triumphal entry as he walked into Jerusalem, he was setting his face towards what he knew needed to be done, but what he was willing to do which was his body broken. So we say, Jesus, thank you that we stand on this work, that we can be whole, that we don't have to be broken because you were broken for us. So we take and we we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, thank you that your blood was shed for me. Thank you that we can have wholeness in mind and body, but forgiveness of sins that we are now, as Andrew said, righteous, acceptable, holy, blameless all of the time. We thank you for that, Jesus. We drink. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Love that, just that imagery. If that's what we stand on, and we continually be washed, cleansed, we thank you that we're clean, Jesus. We're going to take our offering as we go into the last song of worship. We always uh, say here in exchange, you'll never hear about money before you've heard about Jesus and that will not change. But we want to encourage you, respond, give generously because of who God is and what he's done in your life and the fact that he's not finished with you yet. So we encourage you to do that. And then we will, there'll be also details on the screen for those who are online. Yeah, we're going to respond in worship. Um, Continue to set your face on Jesus and what he's done for you. And also he's not finished as we go into this week. He will continually be working in your heart and working in your life. So...